My name is Zach Como, and you're listening to the My Tech Decisions Podcast. Podcast. Like I said, my name is Zach and I'm your host. If your IT department has ever had to deal with employees using unapproved software applications or devices, you have run into Shadow IT. Shadow IT can present a very significant cybersecurity issue if the IT department doesn't have visibility into these solutions and they can't help protect the end user and the organization. With remote work now the new normal and with hybrid work expected to take hold once COVID restrictions are eased, Shadow IT could present an even bigger issue as employees are out of the office and working on their home networks. However, there are several things IT departments can do to cut down on Shadow IT. To talk about this is Nigel Hawthorne, a marketing director for McAfee, which you all know as a very large and successful cybersecurity company. Before we get to that interview, here's a quick reminder that the My Tech Decisions podcast is available on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Download and subscribe to hear weekly interviews with IT experts that can help you make the right decisions for your organization. Now, here's Nigel Hawthorne. All right, so, uh, Nigel, I wanted to look at Shadow IT. I've heard a lot of um, from IT uh, professionals in the last, uh, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, 2020 and, you know, heading into 2021 about how Shadow IT was kind of... Um, accelerated because of COVID-19. So I wanted to kind of uh, dig into this and figure out why and, you know, what can be done to kind of combat this. Um, So first, you know, can you describe to our audience what Shadow IT is? Thanks. It's great to be here. So Shadow IT is any technology that's been brought in by users, either individuals or maybe groups and departments that hasn't been checked and approved by the central IT department. So Perhaps it hasn't been checked from a financial point of view, from a risk point of view, from a security point of view. And examples of this could be a video conferencing facility that is set up by marketing or a task management system just for one department or even as an individual, things like uh, a calendar, uh, personal backup over the uh, cloud, for instance, PDF converters, all of those things that you might use on a daily basis, but you haven't thought as a user, has this been approved by IT? Have we checked whether it's safe and secure? And, and you know, what are the cybersecurity implications of shadow IT? Why is it so dangerous, uh, not only for an organization, but also for the end user? Yeah, well, of course, it might not be dangerous. It sort of depends what you're doing, but you've got to ask yourself a few questions. What are you using it for? Where is the data going? What are the terms and conditions? Um, is it being made public by the service provider? Has it been uh, integrated with the company's single sign-on service? What if someone leaves the organization? Can they still access it? Has this been a place where data has been lost before? Is someone using a password that they've generated for this shadow IT service that is also the same password they're using for the corporate services 
So unfortunately, if it gets lost from the shadow IT service, a bad guy could then try to reuse it and get into those services that the company trusts. So there's lots of questions to be asked. It's not just a sort of one question, is it secure? That's way, way too um, simplistic. Excuse me. And you know what? What are the factors that that you know leads to shadow IT? You know, um, I've heard a lot about a disconnect between um, you know rank and file employees and the IT department. You know, over the course of 2020, and you know, really uh, because of remote work, um, as, as you know, kind of leading to that. Um, can you you know maybe elaborate on that point? Yeah, I guess there's two things really. Just generally, we're all used to fantastic apps that are available on our mobile devices. And we think mm. there must be an app to do that in a work uh, context. As an example, um, there's a group in the company that I'm in that uses a task management system that originally wasn't authorized by IT. We actually went and asked them, is this okay to use? And they put in their checks and they said, yes, it is. But we wanted to use it because we felt as a group, it gave us the capabilities that we needed and it's very efficient, it gets our job done. So what I think we need to think about from a user point of view is, am I doing something that might be a risk? And if so, I need to ask IT if it's okay. But from an IT point of view, you need to ask the sort of opposite question, which is, are my employees using services I hadn't previously thought about? And if they are, why are they using them? Is it because it's giving them some service that they couldn't get otherwise? Because shadow IT isn't all bad. It might actually be reminding you, you're not providing all the services your users need. And here's something else that one of your group or a team want to access. Right, right. Um... Correct me if I'm wrong, it seems, I mean, and you guys would know this more than anyone, but it seems um, like Shadow RT might be uh, presenting itself as a bigger issue these days, given that uh, it seems like a, a new company is coming forward to disclose that they've been compromised either by um, the SolarWinds attackers or an, another group. Um, you know, why is it more important uh, now for IT departments to have full visibility, you know, into um, these issues that their employees are are having that's leading to shadow IT. There are two parts to, to what you've just said there. You're absolutely right that we've seen new demands over the last year. And part of that is because of COVID and how many of us are working from home. So our own research has shown something like a 600 or 800% increase in use of things like Teams and Zoom for collaboration. And we are all thinking of new ways to work. And why is it important more than ever that the IT department have full visibility? Well, without visibility, you don't have any control. You could also be putting in security for the wrong things. Some people may have heard of various different services that can share files, such as Dropbox. And they may say, well, I've heard of that and I'm not sure we've trusted it, so I'll block it. But is that really the right way to go? Dropbox put a lot of effort into their security and their enterprise capabilities. By blocking it, what are you actually doing? You're likely to be pushing your users to go somewhere that is much more dangerous. Because you've blocked the one you've heard of doesn't mean that they're not doing anything dangerous. It might actually achieve the opposite effect. So we need to have visibility to know what's going on and be able to then decide 
from a risk point of view, is this okay for my organization? And what controls should I put on this previously shadow IT service? Right. I think um, you know, along the same lines, you know, in uh, March and April, when everyone you know shifted to this full remote remote work strategy, um, so it's like everyone ad adopted Zoom, and a lot of organizations, you know, banned the use of it, you know, for uh, I think a few different reasons. Um, so I think I think that's also probably a good example of of you know IT departments stepping in and kind of getting a handle on uh, shadow IT. You know, what can IT departments do to cut down on shadow IT? Um, especially as you know, we look forward to this kind of uh, hybrid work uh, strategy in the you know near and foreseeable future. I think there's a few steps. I think I would start if I was running an IT department in a large organization by declaring an amnesty. Right, send an email to all of the employees and say, "What are you using? Um, why are you using it? What are you using it for?" And try to gather what's going on. Use that information to decide. Ah. Should there be a service that we support for a particular function? Because clearly uh, we've got employees who are going out and finding uh, code or uh, applications that previously weren't approved. Number two, then, would be gain visibility yourself. Use some technologies to provide a report on what's being used and the risks. You know, risks can be measured in lots of different ways. It could be technical risks, it could be legal risks, you know, where's the data stored, is it encrypted? Um, lots of different angles to risk, but you need to look at the risks of each of those services. Then decide which is supported. And when you decide that you really like a service, go out and promote it. It's amazing to me how many organizations I speak to who don't tell their employees what services they do trust. Of course, a carrot is always more powerful than a stick. If you can tell somebody, hey, use this, we like it, we would love you to use it. It's, uh, we've got a contract with it, it's backed up. We know where all the data is, we're running data loss prevention so you as an employee can use it and feel comfortable. That's much more powerful than saying, hey, this one's blocked without right. any idea of where to go next. And then you do need to implement blocks on high risk services, maybe coaching on other services. And we can't forget user education. So explain the risks, explain in a message to users, point them in the right direction. Hey, Nigel, um, Box isn't uh, supported anymore in this organization. We'd like you to use OneDrive. The reason we'd like you to use OneDrive is it gives us this, 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 and this. If you need to use Box because you're sharing with uh, an external third party that uses Box, okay, click here to continue. But, you know, these are the risks. And that sort of thing, I think, is really helpful to users to try to educate them on the right thing. And then the last one, perhaps, would be obviously implement the security that the vendor delivers, but often that's not enough. You know, just because a service is safe itself doesn't make everything you do with it safe. If you think of cars nowadays, they're built really well, and yet you can still drive them at 100 miles an hour into a wall. So is it okay that Nigel uses this service to share a file with Zach? If it is, should Zach be able to just view it or can Zach download it? If Zach can download it, 
can Zach also upload a changed file to Nigel's system? Um, do we need to scan that? Because what if Zach's infected with malware? Has that just infected your company? I realize I'm giving you questions and not answers, but actually <laughs> it's great to start with all of these questions and try to work out how systems are being used to then decide the policies you want to implement. And <clears throat> excuse me, what kind of tools or software um, or just strategies, you know, do companies need, uh, you know, to carry out, you know, those steps you mentioned? Yeah, so I'll talk about tools first and then I'll come to strategies. So tools, you know, there's a whole range of products that are designed to try to help work out what's going on. You can get software on individual devices that tell you about the applications being used, but that won't catch everything. So quite often, especially for cloud, people are using a technology known as CASB or Cloud Access Security Broker that can give you visibility into all the cloud services that are in use in your organization and start to implement the sort of policies that I mentioned earlier. Um, it's a way of trying to make sure that IT can gain control, allow people to work remotely, access the cloud services that they want to, but not in an unsafe manner. But before you get to the tool, you need to know what to do with it. And that comes back to the question about policy and philosophy and, and strategy. I strongly recommend you have a workshop with multiple people from multiple different departments because one department doesn't know everything. And so get together with the risk people, the governance people, maybe someone from a line of business who represents employees as well as IT. It's not purely an IT question and work out what policies you want in your organization. And I say work out by going through the sort of questions I asked before. Ask real life questions. Let me look. I look around my desk. I see a laptop that belongs to the company and I see a phone that belongs to me. I'm still the same user, but should I have slightly different policies if I'm accessing a cloud file from my laptop than from my phone? If so, how do you then implement that in the technology. So um, technologies are great, but you do need to know and work out beforehand what you need to do to make sure they're going to be successful. Right. And you know, how I guess how important is that idea of uh, staying in tune to what your employees need and what your employees are using, you know, while they're, you know, working from home and you're not, you know, walking by you in the office and, you know, casually bringing up, hey, you know, there's, you know, this application that I really think, uh, you know, we could use for a certain project, um, you know, can can we get it approved by, you know, the IT department? Um, I mean, they're not seeing you in the office to have the, those kind of conversations. So how, you know, what's, what's different, you know, in this uh, remote work environment? Yeah, well, um, that's a good point. You know, you really need to engage with your users. And I know that's something that IT typically isn't that great at, let's be honest. Yeah. But you know, here's a document or here's a page on the internet that says how to ask for a new application, how to ask for approval, the decisions that IT is going to make to decide whether it's OK or not. And the more you try to engage with users, the better. And that reminds us that, you know, education isn't a uh, watch this video once a year and then answer a few questions. There are lots of opportunities to educate your user as they're working.
you can intercept their browser requests and give them advice and help before they move on. You can, of course, do all of the mail shots you like, emails internally, but do make it open and, and allow the employees to have a conversation with you. And as I say, use a carrot as much as you can rather than just a stick of, I won't allow you to do this. Right. Um, and how do you kind of walk this fine line between, um, you know, uh, gaining visibility into these issues and, um, you know, privacy concerns? Yeah, well, um, it depends on the tool, but you can see um, with our tool, for instance, called Envision Cloud, uh, which cloud services are being accessed and how much data is being sent and received without knowing the users that are actually doing it. So um, you can uh, walk that fine line between um, seeing what's going on and in the full sense of the whole organization and drilling down into individuals. So actually nowadays, most well-written uh, applications and tools are enabling you to do that appropriately. Um, we could have, for instance, that only certain um, management users are allowed to look at individual user access. Um, there's lots of different ways of making sure that you're doing it properly. Um, Nigel, I think that that's all the questions I had. Unless there's anything else uh, you wanted to um, tell our audience. Well, I've just thought of something that I didn't mention, and it it again is is a little story. So let's go back to one of the examples I gave earlier. That maybe the marketing department have set up a um, a webinar system, and they haven't asked for approval from the IT department. Mm -hmm. They maybe thought, well, why do I need to? I'm just using this to communicate to prospects and customers. But if it's not known about, it won't be integrated with your global single sign-on service. So what happens if a user leaves the marketing department? In two months later, can they still log back in and be able to see the different users that have accessed the service and then take that data to their new employer? So I think that that step right at the beginning, declaring an amnesty and getting visibility to what's going on is actually the first step you need to do and the most important step. Find out what's going on, find out why people are using it and embrace it. Say, well, OK, I understand there's a business reason you're using this. Let's see how we in the IT department can make that successful for you. Uh, very good. Well, Nigel, uh, thank you very much for taking some time out of your day to talk to us. I appreciate it. No problem. Hope it was useful. Thanks for listening to another episode of the My Tech Decisions podcast, where it's our mission to help you make technology decisions for your company. If you would like to learn more, head to MyTechDecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at MyTechDecisions. You can also follow me on Twitter at ZWComo. Until next time.